Welcome to Inside and Out with Mike and Nate. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest, Jacob Resnick. How are you today? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So, we're going to start off with the really, really big news. Steve Cohen is pretty much buying the Mets. He bought, uh, the plan is up until 2025, he's going to have 80% of the Mets. Joel Sherman said that we could see the benefits of his wealth sooner than 2025, maybe even this upcoming year. How do you expect that this will change the Mets uh, this year? And is there any way they can now exceed the luxury tax? Yeah, obviously that was a uh, a bombshell of a report that got dropped um, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. Um, you know, like most people, I'm not really sure how that's going to play out in the um, in the immediate future. Obviously, in five years, uh, Cohen will, will, will take over. Uh, what happens to the Wilpons after that, we shall see. Um, but in the immediate future, who knows? I mean, if I, I would assume at least if he's um, you know, the prospective majority owner, um, and he's also still in contact with the Wilpons. He would have some say in, um, you know, constructing the team that, that he would be buying. Um, but you know, as long as, as the current ownership is, is um, you know, structured as it is, I don't see any major changes going on until uh, until he's, uh, you know, the number one guy in charge. Okay. Um I don't know if you've read into it, but it sounds like there's some type of insider trading background. In 2013, uh, his company was found to have insider trading. He, he pretty much paid back. It, it was an indirect. They accused the the group or the company uh, of insider trading, and he kind of paid indirectly to avoid jail time, and that was $1.8 billion. Is there any way that might delay the sale or impact the sale or, or no? Uh, it's a good point. Um, you know, I, I don't, if there were no, um, you know, if he didn't actually have jail time that, that he, uh, went through, um, I can't see him actually being denied, um, right. you know, the, the majority ownership and he's already had, had to have been approved to, um, have his minority stake. So, um, you know, I think every billionaire owner has some shady background to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. And the Mets traded for uh, Jacob Riznick today. I like what he's doing on the defensive side, but I'm not sure how strong he is offensively. But I like the move, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, so obviously they've been in the market for a center fielder, and whether that was going to be um, through a shallow free agent market or the, the trade market sounded like um, there wasn't a ton of uh, traction to the Starling Marte rumors. Um, but they did go after Marisnik. They got him. It was a little surprising to see them deal from, uh, you know, the, the bullpen. And Blake Taylor was a guy who I thought could, could help the Major League bullpen in 2020. Um, and now they're, they, they basically used him to replace Juan Lagares with a, a cheaper, um, younger uh, option there. So, um, you know, I, I don't really see him being an impact player. He's not really a guy you want in the lineup every day because um, he doesn't really hit lefties or righties very well. Um, but you know, his, his glove is good, and he'll probably get significant burn out there, um, and he's likely got a, a roster spot locked up for next season. For sure. I think he's a, at least in my opinion, I think he's a he's a definite upgrade over Juan Ligares, whose defense 
was declining, I would say, pretty rapidly, at least according to DRS by Fangraphs. And I think the bat, I don't think it's there, but I do think it's an increase on Juan Ligares, who, to be honest with you, besides one month was dreadful. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was pretty clear that Ligares wasn't going to be back. Yeah. Um, and they would have had to, to pay him a pretty significant option for 2020. So um, you're replacing him, you're getting someone who's uh, a similar profile, but uh, likely offers more upside. And, you know, who knows? Uh, uh What's his name? Chili Davis was able to, to tap into J.D. Davis's potential. Right. Um, we'll see if he can do it to another Astro. And Zach Wheeler, obviously, signed with the Phillies. Do you think it will have a big impact on the Mets? Do you think it will have a big impact on the Mets as, it, as much as everyone is making it out to be? Yeah, I mean, Wheeler... Um, obviously showed that he was um, a very strong pitcher during his time with the Mets. Um, it's a big hole being left in the rotation um, because they're going to have to replace him somehow. And if they're not going after someone of his caliber or better, they're, you know, uh, the, their rotation is getting weaker. Um, so it, it, if, in terms of if it'll affect the Mets directly, um, you know, I don't think Zach Wheeler is the difference between um, – where the Phillies stand and the Mets stand going into next season. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what plans they have to uh, fill uh, his spot in the rotation because it's it's, uh, it's a gaping hole right now. And to add on to that, it seems as though the Mets are, are pretty much unwilling to exceed the luxury tax. The stat I saw was since 96, they haven't even really come close to breaking that, that luxury tax. Um, and that's where, where I really am interested to see, you know, I, I guess the profile they're looking for, at least to fix these flaws, everyone thinks they're going to get like two relievers, a starting pitcher, and a backup catcher. Now, with the starting, the starting pitcher market, we've seen guys like Cole Hamels get $18 million, like out of nowhere. And if we're $14 million away from the luxury tax, and we pay Cole, Ham- or Cole Hamels a guy like $18 million, you know, we're pretty much extremely limited financially to do anything else until we then do this Lowry and Dom Smith or Familia and Dom Smith or the three of them, if we can, if they can figure out how to do that uh, and trade them away. I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, what you think they could do for that spot. I have, I really like Jordan Lyles, uh, Jordan Lyles and Gio Gonzalez, as well as the trade market that includes, uh, uh, Chris Archer, Joe Musgrove, Robbie Ray, Matt Boyd, uh, John Gray. I'm interested to see what do you think they do to fix that spot? Yeah, it's really going to be, uh, you know, they're really going to have to get creative. Um, I agree. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, shipping off Jed Lowry or Familia, um, it's really not something that I could see happening. Um, and even if they do end up packaging, uh, a J.D. Davis or a Dominic Smith to move one of those guys. Um, I can't really see them coming out ahead in any of those, you know, potential deals. Um, so, you know, honestly, you look at the guys that are still on the board, Cole, Strasburg, Bumgarner, Cutco, Ryu, those are, you know, the top five still uh-huh. left. Um, you know, they're not going to come anywhere near those guys. Yep. But then you, you, and then you would 
would have to go down uh, a few more tiers to the, like you mentioned, the Jordan Lyles, the Yvonne Novas, the Wade Miley's, the Homer Bailey's, yep. um, and see if you know they could come in for you know five million or less. But um, you know, I, I'm not expecting much. Uh, and you know, Brody says it all the time. They're going to have to get creative, and um, probably more so than last off season, just considering uh, the restraints that they're working with. Right. And Edwin Diaz had a pretty below average year compared to his past. Do you think that he'll have a bounce back year and improve this year? Yeah, I do. Um, I think I saw, uh, I didn't see anything, um, you know, that was glaring, you know, like mechanics wise or stuff wise. I mean, he still throws hard. He wasn't losing velocity. His slider still had a ton of bite to it. He was just hanging it over the plate. uh, And it, didn't seem like he really didn't seem like he really um uh learned how to adjust what he had with the new baseball being used and we saw um quite a a few pitchers struggle uh in that area um so the hope is that he's he's has that that year of the new baseball under his belt can make the adjustments um and it really just seemed like a mental thing uh, most of the time. Not I don't want to, you know, assume anything, but um, you would hope that a few months off in the off season gives him a breather, um, and you know he'll he'll be back to his uh, his usual dominant self. And you know, uh, the law of averages would suggest that he would return to to right. at least half to what he had been. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm thinking, in terms of uh, regression, Diaz is probably one. I would say. For, Familia too. Um, I would also argue that that Noah Syndergaard is up there uh, for a guy that throws 100 miles per hour. That two years ago, before Degrom emerged as a Cy Young guy, we were thinking he was the Cy Young guy. So, you know, I I really like Jeremy Hefner. I think he's going to do really nice things for the Mets. My question to you is, you know, Thor was a four ERA pitcher this past year. I'm wondering if Jeremy Hefner can tr- transform him. Into a into a better pitcher and and better utilize his his uh, you know natural talents. You think there's any chance that Hefner can really? I I don't, I don't want to say fix, but utilize Thor's abilities better. Yeah, you know I'm sure um, Hefner has tons of tons of ideas up his sleeve. But you know it was it was frustrating a lot of last season watching Syndergaard pitch because you can tell how good he is, how good his sinker is, how good his slider is, and he throws harder than almost any other starter in baseball. So it didn't really make sense why his, um, you know, his results were, were turning out as they were. Um, you know, he was, he was leaving a sinker over the plate a lot, um, getting hit around the home run ball bit him. Um, so, you know, even with all that said, he was still, um, a very good pitcher in, in 2019. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Hefner, um, does. And, you know, I'm, never been one to say that the pitching coach is the you know the be-all end-all for um what the the players do on the field um but does seem like a guy that's maybe like diaz you know a tweak or two away from uh unlocking something really great because obviously um we've seen what he can do in the past and it didn't really make sense why he was getting hit as hard as he did last year agreed and carlos beltran Talk to me about what you what your personal thoughts are about that hire. Yeah, I mean personally, uh, just considering that I I grew up um, with him being one of the best players on the team, uh, and now to see him come back is very exciting. 
um, to see. Uh, I think it represents, I don't know if I would say a new era of Mets baseball or a new way of thinking in the front office, but um, to bring in a uh, kind of a well-respected baseball mind without the uh, even coaching experience. And I know people were, were frustrated uh, because Mickey Calloway didn't have any managerial experience. Uh, but uh, I, I don't really recall anyone speaking as highly of Mickey Calloway as they, they have been of, of Carlos Beltran. So I think um, you know the players are aware of what he did in his career, um, and he's even if you go back to when he was with the Astros, he was kind of like a, a extension of the coaching staff um, right. yeah. in the dugout and on the field and in the clubhouse. So. Um, It'll probably take a little while for him to, to get into the swing of things and, you know, filling out a lineup card every day. Um, but I, uh, I do think when it's all said and done that, that this will be a, an excellent hire for the Mets. Oh, great. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear. Uh, I, I think the biggest surprise for me has been the Braves' aggressiveness. They kind of came out uh, shooting on all cylinders. They got Will Smith, um, paired him with... Chris Martin, and they also got uh, Darren O'Day. And then we saw Drew Pomeranz and Jake Diekman uh, sign. My question to you is, how do you think these relief pitcher additions to other teams have affected the Mets, and which one did you really like the most? Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating to watch um, the Mets bullpen as, as, much of it strug- as much as it struggled last year uh, not um, – being upgraded with the uh, the available pitchers. Um, I mean, you look at all the guys that that the Braves have gotten so far. Um, you know, the Will Smith. You know, excellent um, with uh, with San Francisco last year. Chris Martin under the radar. They got him on a very good deal. Um, so you know, we look at the NL East teams, and um, while the Braves are update are upgrading their bullpen, the Mets are kind of standing. Standing pad, and like I mentioned earlier, trading Blake Taylor, who was looking to be a good option going to next season. Not that he was going to be the savior of the bullpen, but um, hard thrower. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially after he transitioned to the, the bullpen, bullpen this yeah. year. But um, you know, a guy like Drew Pomeranz, even though he uh, had not that much experience as a reliever, obviously was was very good last year. Um, so yeah, I thought Darren O'Day would be a good low cost option to uh, to come into the bullpen, but. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, a little confusing why why the Mets have, have stood pat. First, fair. And what do you think we should expect out of Pete Alonso in a second season? Do you think uh, another 40 home run season maybe? Yeah, I mean, obviously I wouldn't expect him to, to hit 53 and lead the majors again because uh, what an improbable season he had. Um, I think we saw a lot. Uh, especially in the second half, him start to get exposed by smarter pitchers. Not to say that Pete isn't a smart hitter. Yep. Um, but pitchers started to expose his weakness on uh, you know high fastballs, low breaking balls. Um, but credit to him, he made the adjustments and was able to to finish strong and and uh, break the the rookie home run record by the end of the season. So uh, I think you're looking more at like a 250 hitter going forward. Uh, yeah. Probably you know. Uh, if the, if the uh, the baseball maintains its uh, juice, then you know, 40, 45 homers is, is uh, definitely not out of the question as a, as a yearly mark for him. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just looking forward to him continuing to, to make adjustments and get better as a, as a major league player. 
Well, I, Mets definitely struck gold with Pete for sure. Um, my my question as to the outfield, uh, you know, we added Marisnik, so that means we passed on Marte. The outfield alignment is is looking like J.D. Davis in left, Nimmo in in center, and Conforto in right. Are you comfortable with this alignment? Do you think that there should be some type of addition? It looks like the Mets are going to have to hold Pat in terms of you know who they add on at in the in the outfield, but you know there are definitely people to complain about J.D. Davis's defense and left at Nimmo's in center. So I want I want to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, get to Davis in a second, but I, I really um, don't have too many issues with Nimmo or Conforto playing center field if necessary. I think both of them have have shown their strengths there. Um, they're obviously better suited for the corners, but they, uh, especially Nimmo, came up as a center fielder, and I think he's definitely um, will be able to handle center field um, if he is the starter going into the season. Uh, you know, and then left field. Uh, I think Jeff McNeil was fine there. If that's what the Mets want to do, if they feel that Davis is um, better at third base or, or would be less of a liability there, um, I hope that Davis has um, you know put in the work in the off season because he uh, certainly did not look good at either position, third base or left field last Agreed. year. Um, so we'll see what happens there. You also have Jed Lowry to worry about, uh, not to worry about, but he's, he's there. Um, and they're certainly paying him a lot of money and I don't see him being really a bench option at that, that cost. So, um, he's probably a starting third baseman next year. Um, and then between McNeil and Davis, I mean, Jeff McNeil was an all-star last year. I don't really see him sitting. So, um, Davis to me feels more like the, the, the bat off the bench. Um, especially if uh, Dominic Smith gets moved, um, but like I said, he's he's got quite a quite a ways to go um, until I feel comfortable running him out there in left yeah. field every day. My only concern with with holding on to to Jed Lowry at the starting position, we saw him at the end of the year of taking at bats, and yet I mean he missed the majority of the year, and obviously it's very short sample size. But there was nothing that wowed us. There was nothing that gave us this optimism about the upcoming year. He's making $10 million. So, yeah, we have that financial commitment towards him. But, you know, when, when you start making these arguments that, well, you're paying the guy so he should have a starting role, that's when, you know, like you're arguing Felix Hernandez should be the ace of the team because he's making 20 whatever million dollars. So I, I was, I think, at least in my opinion, having J.D. Davison left and having McNeil at third would be the smarter option just because – J.D. Davis at third base was, in my opinion, it was a disaster. And while his defense in left wasn't, you know, much better, there's an improvement there. And we know Jeff McNeil's a capable third baseman. So to answer, you know, to respond to what you said, I do agree. You know, they should make use of Jed Lowry's overpaid salary, but I don't, I don't agree with you in that. I don't know if Jed Lowry really sh- has earned his way to a starting role. Uh, do you do you think he should have a starting role in 2020? I mean, obviously, I, I, this past year was a disappointment on, on the Lowry front. And um, I don't think it's fair to judge <laughs> what he did, la- what happened last year, and use that as a basis going forward just because uh, he was injured and you know he couldn't really do anything about that. 
Um, and, you know, he was coming off an all-star season in 2018 and 2017, he was very good as well. So I think there's a very good possibility that if he's healthy, um, that he is the, the, the player that the Mets thought they were getting. Um, he's not getting young, any younger, obviously, and his defense has never been stellar. Right. Uh, but he does have a track record, um, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's Davis, JD Davis is obviously not a guy that you, um, that you start and feel bad about, um, but we'll again we'll have to see when when spring training rolls around um, where he's at defensively. Okay. Should the Mets expect anything out of Johannes Cespedes, who will be playing for another contract? No. Quick answer. No. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's just no. I mean, considering the nature of his injuries and and how. Um, quiet it's been on uh, on his front. I mean, you, you look at someone like Lowry last season. By by May, he didn't even have a locker in the major league clubhouse. Um, you didn't. We weren't hearing updates on him uh, as frequently as most injured players. So you didn't expect anything of him. And when he showed up, it was a surprise, and uh, it was like, okay, this guy's here now. Um, so, uh, and I I think given the uh, the contract structure that he's he's playing under with the insurance money I think the Mets are inclined to let him uh, come back at whatever pace uh, he chooses you know, he, yeah exactly yeah uh, David Peterson to me is a little bit more intriguing of an option than other people I've talked to I think he has the potential to overtake Mats in the rotation um, especially I mean Mats has come off to some pretty slow starts so. My question to you, do you think there's a chance he emerges as a guy in the rotation or in 2020 or the bullpen, or does he really not make an impact in the 2020 roster? Yeah, I like Peterson. Uh, I think he's uh, a very solidly built, strong left-hander. Uh, not really the type of guy who goes to the bullpen and all of a sudden is firing bullets. Uh, I think that was more of Anthony Kay's profile. Uh, whereas Peterson is more likely of the two to, to stick in the rotation. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I don't see him jumping in the rotation from you know, opening day because um, he's he has to uh, prove that he can uh, either dominate Double A or um, handle Triple A. So uh, I, I see him coming up by you know mid season next year, June, July at the latest. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, he, he's definitely someone who I, I, don't, I don't know if I would say overtake Nats in the rotation. Um, they're kind of similar pitchers, um, but Peterson kind of still has a few more hurdles, in my opinion, to, to, to jump before he's um, someone who has a, a guaranteed spot. Fair. And did the Mets miss out on Yasmani Grandal or no? And would it have been feasible a, fe- a feasible way to spend their money with a tight budget? Yeah, I mean, it seemed all along that the Mets were uh, comfortable with Wilson Ramos. Um, and yep. I can't really fault them, uh, despite his some of his defensive shortcomings. Uh, obviously, uh, he had his ups and downs with the bat, but when, when he's on, he, he's one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. Yep. Um, so, while I would have liked to see them go after Grandal, uh, as I'm sure many other teams would have, uh, you know, can't really say that. I, I mean, I wouldn't say they missed out on him, um, but it uh, didn't really seem like it was ever a, a strong possibility of that happening. and um, they, But it will be interesting to see what they do in terms of that backup spot because um, Tomas Nito really hasn't shown anything with his bat, and he's out of options going into next year. 
Uh, yeah. So we'll uh, keep tracks on that on that situation. Yeah. Um, in terms of Yasmani Grandal, he he declined. The Mets gave him a, at least at the time last year, a pretty reasonable deal, and he declined it. So, I, to add on to that, yeah, I don't think it was a realistic possibility either. Um, I would have loved to see Yasmani Grandal in the Mets uniform, um, and I, the only issue is with the tight cap. I don't know if I'm allocating that much with Wilson Ramos. I think the positions, I don't want to say set. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the, the catcher a little bit later, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Nito. Um, I, I wanted to, to get from you. I didn't think the Mets, the Mets were really fun to watch last year. I, I thought, um, and at times it, you know, it, it seemed like they were the best team in the NL. Um, and, and you know, when we played the Braves, it didn't look like that, but for this, most of the second half, they looked like a very, very competent team. What do you think the Mets need to do to win the World Series? Well, they <laughs> have to win the division first. That is it, true. Uh, it doesn't seem like they are um, as urgent, I guess, as the other teams in the division. Uh, and they they will see the, the reigning World Series champions 20 times next year. Uh, so hopefully that's a little bit of a jolt to them. Um, but it... it just has and it's felt like this i guess since they were last in the world series in 2015 it it feels like they have the the, the raw talent um and if everyone's firing on all cylinders at the same time uh which they were for a period of time in uh in july and august last year um you know it's it's not um unfathomable to to believe that they uh can make a run at a, at a deep postseason uh run in uh in 2020 but um it's just never really felt like everyone was on at the same time. It's either the starting pitching struggling and the hitters are hot or the bats are, are quiet and, and, you know, the pitchers are, are doing their jobs. So um, I think the, the, the bullpen goes a long way uh, into, uh, you know, their, their prospects for, for next year. Uh, and we, we've been talking about it all show. It's, it's surprising that uh, they haven't touched that yet uh, outside of, you know, minor league signings like Chase and Shreve. So um, I, I don't really see them as an actual legitimate contender for next season. I don't. I don't. Um, but if, uh, like I said, if everything's firing at all cylinders at the same time, um, they should at least be in the conversation for the NLA's championship. And you talked about facing the Nationals 20 times next year. What lessons can they take and learn from the Nationals 2019 World Series team? Um, wow, yeah, good question. I I would probably say that, you know, the, the value of, of spending on guys that are worth spending on. Um, you know, they gave uh, big contracts to guys like Patrick Corbin, who ended up being uh, an integral part of their uh, run, even though the Mets played Corbin really well in the regular season, um, he still uh, pitched very well and got them to uh, to where they they ended up. Um, yep. I think maybe uh, an under the radar uh, guy going into the season was Howie Kendrick, and you saw how how much of an impact he had. You know, you can never just uh, discredit those those glue guys that are really important. Um, it's never really seemed like the Mets, um, or it seemed like the Mets had had. Uh, too much of a reliance on inexperience, uh, and you, you you see a guy like Hendrick who's been around for a long time as just a very solid player. Uh, it's just an important guy to have on your team. So, um, 
I think maybe the Mets should uh, not take notes from their bullpen because it was uh, not uh, their strength the entire season uh, in Washington. And they ended up needing to use guys like Strasburg and Corbin in the bullpen there. Um, but, yeah, very uh, well-oiled machine that the Nationals ran all season. Yeah. Um, so, so um, I wanted to now dive into uh, at, at least like the markets or, or the free agency and, and trade uh, of the of the holes they still need to to fill. As for relief pitching, um, I'm gonna give you my top ten. I just want to hear some feedback. Hear what you think. You know, I think there there's definitely sleepers out there. Every year there's a sleeper. I want to hear what you think. But for me. I have Don Batances one. I want to give him an incentive-driven deal. I don't want it to be a high base. I, I think the ideal, the ideal deal for the Mets is to have him um, you know, work hard, have a great year, probably a one-year deal, and prove, you know, have a prove-it-type deal with a ton of incentives based on innings, pitch, DRA, and all that. Uh, I think that's the ideal uh, you know, contract they can have with Batances. In terms of the others, I, I really like Will Harris, the Astros. Uh, Blake Trinan, I, I really disliked this year. I went to uh, an Athletics game this season. He was horrible, but you you got to at least put some money into what he did in 2018. One of the best relief years probably of all time. Um, then I had I have Kinsler, Junior Guerrera, uh, St- Steve Ciszek, Tyler Clipper, Joe Smith, Craig Stammen. And then the one guy I really want the Mets to stay away from personally is Daniel Hudson. I, I don't like the numbers uh, in terms of the projections. He's at a, around a 4-5 ERA, um, and the DRA from baseball prospectus is very, very bad. I want to hear you know what you, your interpretation of the relief market is for the Mets. Yeah, um, certainly lots of names being thrown around, obviously. Um, trying and it seems like everyone has already written their article uh, clamoring to sign him um, and he's the type of guy I feel like uh, you know won't slip under the radar uh, teams know kind of what he's done in the past um, and they'll either uh, heavily weigh what he did last year or look past it and look at what he did the year before uh, which is one of the greatest <laughs> seasons actually by a reliever ever yeah um, in terms in terms of uh, Batansis, that's obviously an interesting uh, guy, considering he's been, uh, you know, elite for the Yankees in the past and, and was, was hurt uh, all of last year. Uh, I feel like someone will definitely give him what he wants, which is probably a solid contract. I don't know if uh, you know, he'll have to settle for an incentive-laden contract, um, but certainly someone that uh, I would welcome on, onto the uh, onto the bullpen core. Um and someone like I like Joe Smith, who you mentioned, uh, someone who's just really been solid for uh, a number of years now. Uh, be interesting to bring him back to the fold. Obviously, a, uh, a teammate of uh, Carlos Beltran in yep. 2017, and uh, a former Met uh, teammate with him back in 07 and 08. It's uh, just solid guy. It was very good last year. Um, so, yeah, I think all the names that, that you mentioned are, are options. Um, I would have liked to see them go after the the guys who have already come off the board, and Smith, it's a little frustrating yeah. yep. um, to see that happen. Uh, but I think you're, you know, guys like uh, Will Harris, who you mentioned, 
another solid name. It feels like all these guys coming out of Houston are yes. uh, the, the, the best names available. Uh, Colin McHugh is another guy who's out there. That would mm-hmm. be a, an interesting return to the Mets. But, uh, yeah, we shall see. So, yeah, like I said, tons of, tons of names out there. For the starting pitcher market, um, I would say this one's a lot more depleted than relief. For me, I really like the idea of trading for Matt Boyd. I just don't know if that's really possible. I like Musgrove for a trade. I like Gray, and I like Archer and Ray. Ray is probably a little bit unrealistic for the Mets. Um, as for the available starting pitchers, it, my list is pretty traditional. The only difference, I have Strauss over Cole. Uh, so I, I have Strauss, Cole. I really, really like Lyles. Um, I have Keiko, Geo, Bumgarner. I, I don't like Bumgarner. I, I don't like where the numbers are headed. Um, and I think... You know, there is a, a specific amount you should put into his playoff resume. But as for his injury, uh, his injury history, and just, you know, the projections are really ugly for him, to be honest with you. I like Julio Tehran um, and Homer Bailey. Pineda and Roark are fine options as well as Miley. But the guy I really don't like for the Mets is, is Rick Porcello. And that, I just... If you ignore 2019, I think he's a great option. If you factor in 2019, I you think you got to stay away. I want to hear who you think is intriguing for the Mets in terms of the trade market and who you like on free agency. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of the trade market, you never uh, know exactly who um, is on the table um, and, and what the Mets are looking for there in, in terms of what they're willing to give up. Um, it sounds like maybe the most uh, realistic package would be something like Dominic Smith and Andres Jimenez package together. Um, whether that can bring back um, someone you mentioned like, like Musgrove or Archer, for example, um, that would be interesting. Um, in terms of the free agents, I mean, I don't really see them um, going for any of those tier two guys. I mean, I, I think we can put tier one off the table, yep. uh, but tier two guys uh, doesn't really seem like, um, that's what they're, they're like they're looking to bring in a name right uh for pretty much um i mean porcello it kind of seems like that's been written already like like that's that's a, a guaranteed done deal um and and i don't really uh think that's the the best course of action to, to give him a long-term deal i mean if he gets three years then you have him uh when he is probably on his decline uh, so I, I, I really, I mean, maybe it's someone like Gio Gonzalez or, or Tehran, like you mentioned, some of that uh, level to, to slot in as, as a fourth or fifth starter. Um, I'm interested to see where Dallas Keuchel goes, if they could uh, maybe get him on a one-year deal to, to rebuild his value. I think that would be kind of an under-the-radar savvy move. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. I, I really um, don't see them making any splashes in terms of starting pitching. Agreed. And I think the worst possible scenario for the Mets is is the Braves or the Phillies. It looks like both of them are at least considering adding another starting pitcher. If we see a Keiko or a Bumgarner go to one of them, I think they're really in deeper, in deeper troubles. Um, as for that fifth starter, is there any way you think Lugo or Gazelman ends up in the rotation if they really get cheap? And if so, is that a good decision or a bad decision? Um, I, I don't see it happening. Um, I think, obviously, 
both have, have proved their worth in the bullpen. Uh, obviously, we know Lugo is one of the best relievers in baseball, or was last year. Um, and, and taking him out is really depleting an already depleted core. Gazelle uh, has had his ups and downs, but uh, I do uh, like what I've seen so far, and he's best suited back there, too. So um, I, I that's probably a worst-case scenario is needing one of those guys to, to jump into the rotation. I think they had opportunities to do that um, over the last two years and, and never uh, really did. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll probably go internal. I think they're they're comfortable with Walker Lockett. I think they they're, might be the only um, front office in baseball that likes Walker Lockett as much as they do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Corey Oswald's still there. Chris Flexen's still there. And I think um, they're fine with that as they're, you know, six, seven, eight guys uh, back there. So, yeah, I, I really don't see Lugo or Gazelman jumping uh, into the rotation. For the catcher position, um, I've frankly been a little confused with the Mets' plans. It's from what everyone's reporting the Mets are looking for a nice defensive replacement, right? Because the issue is you don't like Ramos's defense. If you look at the numbers, Nito's defense is fantastic behind the plate. The issue is he can't hit. So are the Mets looking for a guy that can, A, hit with bad defense as a replacement, kind of like another Ramos? Are they looking for a guy that, in, in terms of the available uh, de- you know, catchers, the only one with defense that was graded out as better than Nito was former Met Kevin Ploiecki. So are they really trying to upgrade defense or is it kind of a, you know, a, a win-win in terms of get a little bit of a better bat and maybe a little bit of a step back on defense? What do you think they're really looking for? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how they're kind of approaching that because, all right, Ramos is entrenched there and they're, they're comfortable with that. Um, but his defensive shortcomings are are well known, um, so it does seem like if they are going after another catcher, that it will be a defensive minded type of guy. Um, you know, I'm not really sure uh, if there's like a, a, a see how I phrase it, like someone who's known for defense that you know will give you that. It's for right. lack of a better term, yeah, someone you know, someone who's who's guaranteed, uh, you know, don't have to worry about is just back there. Um, to, you know, you start them, uh, you know, one, once a week, once every fifteen days. Um, don't really have to worry about his defense, and, and the the defense is good enough that the bat you don't really have to worry about. Um, I don't really see anyone like that that's available. Um, I don't see them spending more than. Uh, you know, a minimum salary to, to bring someone in. Um, so I, they, they've kept Nito around long enough uh, that he's probably um, going to go into the season as the backup. But um, considering that they mentioned that they are looking for for someone else to, to throw into the mix, um, it, it'll just be interesting to see what they what type of guy they're looking for. But if they are looking for a specific type, it, it would have to be a glove first kind of guy. Uh, I like Jason Castro and Alex Avila. I want to know what you thought about those two. Yeah, Castro's interesting. Um, I don't know uh, off the top of my head what his defensive numbers are like. I know he's been uh, heralded as a good framer in the past. Um, but in terms of everything else, uh, not entirely uh, he, privy to that. 
I can answer yeah, that for ahead. you. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So for free agents, the top ten in terms of catcher defense goes Pluwecki, and then for comparison, there's Nito right there. Um, and then you got Russell Martin, Jason Casher, Martin Maldonado, Alex Avila, uh, John Ryan Murphy, Robinson Torinos, Austin Romine, and Fegley. So Castro's four, Avila's six. Um, with offense, Castro's two, and Avila's three. Huh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so Castro, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure where that stands in the grand scheme of, of Major League Baseball um, in terms of catchers, but uh, you know, he, he was a positive on offense last year for, for the Twins and uh, has, a, has a long track record, and so that would be interesting if they, if they went after him. Um, uh, you know, not sure if, if he would uh, cut into, uh, make a dent into the payroll. Uh, not exactly sure what he'd be after. I think Fangrass, uh, looking at it right now, has him as, uh, you know, an AAV of six mil. Uh, I'm not sure that it's that's too what much. people want to spend on a backup catcher. I agree. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they approach it. Yeah, so I'm back, and I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions just related to baseball in general. Yeah. Um, Will the Astros sign stealing scandal result in a huge punishment like for managers and GM suspensions, or is it just going to be a draft pick level? And do you think it'll affect Carlos Beltran at all? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't see it um, affecting Beltran more than um, perhaps a, a small suspension. I mean, I, that's the extent of it. I don't think he's you know he's going to be like banned for a year or anything. Uh, I... I Honestly, not entirely sure what what MLB will do. Um, probably uh, draft picks and international um, money being being stripped from them is uh, the most likely outcome. And then, uh, who knows if uh, Jeff Lunau is is uh, going to be suspended or something like that? Yeah, I'm honestly not entirely sure. Um, but uh, I, I think the goal for MLB is to um, stipulate that it's not tolerated. Uh, that treaty is not tolerated. Uh, they they said after the the Red Sox uh, Apple Watch fiasco a few years ago that um, you know that cheating with with technology has no place in the game, uh, yeah. breaking the rules like that. So uh, it's time for them to uh, kind of back that up and, and prevent it from from happening again. I uh, in twenty twenty the three player minimum rule is going to be enforced. I wanted to know. Do you really like this rule, or what are your thoughts? That's the the rule where uh, a pitcher has to face three batters. That's, Correct. That's what you're, you're referencing, right? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because uh, obviously Belugi is a uh, kind of a a uh, a position that that many guys have filled over the years, and uh, those guys who who can only really face one or two batters at a time are, are kind of being uh, phased out. Um, think of like the Jerry Blevins types. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it in terms of uh, completely changing the strategy of using your bullpen uh, late in games. Uh, personally, I don't have any issue with uh, with uh, watching more baseball. If it takes longer to, to make the pitching changes, and so be it. I understand where they're coming from, um, and it'll be interesting to see how teams start Adjust. to value guys yep. uh, who are able to uh, go after both lefties and righties. Um, to, to be able to to stay in for those three batters and not uh, get outsmarted by the, the other team just because they have 
uh, a big righty or a big lefty coming up uh, after someone of the, the opposite end. Now, do you think the universal DH is a smart idea? Is it a smart idea? Um, honestly, I don't really have any strong feelings either way. Um, I think um, it's probably sounds like it's sounds like it is inevitable um, that it will be uh, coming to the game uh, within the next few years, especially as the new CBA uh, comes into play. Yeah. Um, I think you know you have such a proliferation of, of home run hitters in the game that uh, many teams in the National League could benefit from from having a, a DH spot. And, I agree. Uh, um, I think it adds an extra layer of, of excitement to to not having to to watch the the pitcher kill a rally or um, something like that. Um, but you know, and I think it also helps the the pitchers the teams use be, being able to use their starting pitchers for longer you won't have to pinch it for them uh, so it does sound like it's inevitable and i won't be um crying out either way uh, obviously I, i've been watching national league baseball primarily my whole life and it's it'll, it'll be a, a weird change but um yeah you know if, if the mets could uh use robinson cano as a dh and, and play someone else at second base uh in a few years when he's big you know approaching 40 that would be a big help yeah yeah uh, here's the last question for you. I have just a natural hinge. I think Contreras and KB for the Cubs are going to be traded. What do you think the chances are in terms of Lindor, KB, Betts? What do you think about those guys? Is there a chance? And Marte, I'll throw in. Do you think there's a chance those guys get traded? Um, certainly. Um, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of rumors about, uh, Contreras' landing spots, uh, that, that seem a little more concrete than some of the other guys. Um, I don't know if any team uh, can really match what Francisco Lindor is worth to the Indians. Uh, I don't really see him going anywhere. Uh, but Chris Bryant is the guy that I, I feel, you know, coming up on uh, his last year of being arbitration eligible uh, is, is the guy that, that's probably going to get moved with reading between the lines of what the Cubs have been talking about. Uh, sounds like he's kind of on the way out. Uh, yeah. And, and we'll, we'll command a serious package for sure. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in to Inside and Out with Mike and Nate, and a special thanks to Jacob Resnick for being on. That's all for today, and thanks for listening.